So Luke 3 and verse 4. Just as that recorded in the record of the words of Isaiah the prophet that says, A voice calls in the desert, Make ready the path of the Lord, Yahweh, and direct in the valley a course from our God. All those riverbeds will be filled, and all those mountains and highlands will be humbled. The stockpiles will be relieved, and the overwhelmed places to a valley, and all flesh will see the life of God. He said to the assembly, those, this is John the Baptist, those that were coming next to him to be baptized, begotten of vipers, who explained to you to flee from the anger that is prepared, therefore produce fruit worthy for repentance, and never begin to say in your souls, a father exists for us, Abraham, for I say to you that God can raise children for Abraham from these stones. Behold, the saw sets over the root of the mature tree. Therefore, any mature tree that never produces good fruit will be cut and will fall in the fire. The assembly had been asking him and saying, Therefore, what do we do? He answered and said to them, That one who has brought two outer coats for himself, get to whoever there is nothing for him. And that one who has bought, brought a meal for himself will do likewise. Even the tax collectors came to, bap- to be baptized. They said to him, Teacher, what do we do? He said, Never seek anything more over what is demanded that you command. The Roman officers working were asking him also, what do we do? He said to them, never be tigers with men and never oppress men. Your compensation will be enough for you. As the people were bringing news about John, they were all considering in their hearts whether he was the Messiah. John answered and said to them, behold, I am baptizing you with water. That one coming has more power than me. I'm not worthy of releasing the strap of his slippers. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit wind and with fire. He that holds a shovel in his hand is cleansing his threshing floor and assembles the wheat to his warehouse. He will burn the straw in a fire that never extinguishes. He also taught many others and was bringing news to the people. Because Herod the Tetrarch was chewed out from John about Herodia, the wife of his brother Philip, and about all the rotten things they had done, he had also added over all this, he bound John for the prison house. As he was baptizing all the people, he also baptized Jesus. As he was praying, the heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit wind descended over him in the likeness, head to toe of a dove. A voice from heaven that said, You are my beloved son. I am delighted with you. All right, so I read all this in the Aramaic, but we will take a look at it in the New Living Translation, which I also like that one too. Um, What I want to show you in this is a very interesting little phrase because this is about John the Baptist. And it says this, verse 15, Luke three fifteen. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. And we know that that never-ending fire is the fire of the love of God. So what does Jesus do? He separates. That's good. You want things separated. You got things that are coming out of your soul. You got things that are coming from the Spirit of God, 
and you don't want that all together, Jesus will separate and divide what is real from what is junk. <laughs> so there's a lot of junk. Where did the junk come from? The junk came from sin, the, that, that thing that just got into everything. And what is it really? What is sin but just a mindset that's devoid of the knowledge of God? That's what produces it, okay? That's, the, that's a mind. That's somebody who has not remembered who he is. So, so Jesus is coming to separate. Did he separate? Yeah. Does he separate? Yes. Is there things that get burned up in his, the fire of his love? Yeah, stuff that's not him. You don't want that junk. Be like, no, you can take it, burn it. <laughs> He's baptizing us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Have you ever been baptized? You know what bat that word baptize is a made-up word? It means dunk. They were having a, a controversy over whether people should be dunked underwater or sprinkled with water. So then instead of using the word dunk, which the translators knew they would cause even more um, controversy regarding that word, they made up a new word, and they called it baptism. <laughs> it's a completely made-up word. Um, but it's John the Dunker is basically what it is. So when it says that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, that means we get dunked in it. Okay, there's no escape. The fire is here for us. It's, it's this, and it's never ending. And, and think about it like this. If, if the fire is truly the love of God, and it's never ending, ah, that's a never ending love, isn't it? He will never allow us to keep chaff in his love. He consumes it. Chaff is the weeds and junk, okay? So God will always consume us with his love. It's never ending. That fire is never ending. Because remember, if you don't understand who you are and you read verse 17, you could think that God's coming to destroy all the people and the good people he likes he'll keep and the ones he doesn't like he'll burn them up. That, that, that has nothing to do with what that verse is about at all. Um, he's coming with the winnowing fork, in other words, he knows who you are. You were created in his image, in his likeness, and the winnowing fork is separating out what is real and what is not. This is the reason why he spoke to the Pharisees the way he did, because he knew that they were living out of a false reality, and the, and the very foundations of the things they taught were deception. And that's why he called them vipers. A viper will bite you. <laughs> Religious teaching will bite you hard. <laughs> and you'll be like, ow, that hurt. Yes, it did, because it's a viper. But Jesus is the winnower. He's the one that takes the fork, you know, pitchfork. Takes that pitchfork, you know, because they always say, you know, they have pictures of Satan with a pitchfork. Satan doesn't have a pitchfork. That's totally made up. Jesus has a pitchfork because he's separating. He's got a, he's got a, he separates the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff is the junk that you don't need. And what is it consumed in? The fire of his love. And it's a never-ending fire. So come on, jump in, you know? And you're a flame of fire. You're a servant of fire. Okay, so he gave them these warnings, you know? It's kind of like the story of the three little pigs, you know? You, you make your house out of straw, you're not going to have a house. 
Okay, exactly. But thankfully, we have Christ who is the divider. He, our identity is found in him. It's not out of our own works. It's like, everybody clean up your works. No. Jesus is the one that identifies us in him. We're one with him. His, the fire is the fire of his love. It never ends. His love never ends. So John used many such warnings he has, as he announced the good news to the people. And then he also publicly criticized Herod. Antipas, the ruler of Galilee. Oh, wait a minute. That's politics, Jamin. Pastors should not be getting into politics. Don't. Well, John the Baptist apparently didn't privately criticize Herod, but publicly the ruler of Galilee for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other things he had done. This dude is gross. So what do you think happened? Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. Okay, so I just wanted to say that this context, John the Baptist, he's awesome. Uh, Jesus said he's the greatest of all the prophets, John the Baptist. He's the one that actually was right there and prophesied of Jesus and baptized him. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened. That's pretty cool. How would you like to be praying, and the heavens opened. It can happen. And the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So today, I'd like to speak about joy. And we know in other places, that Jesus is anointed with the oil of joy, okay? So there is something, so, so think about this for a second, okay? A voice from heaven. Well, who is speaking from heaven? Well, this would be the Father. So you actually see the Trinity right here. You have Jesus in a, in a body, incarnate, right? You have the Holy Spirit descending in the form or like a dove, like a dove would descend, but in a bodily form. And then you have a voice from heaven, which is the Father. So there is complete unity here. But if you'll look and see what is it about the Son that the Father loves is that the Son brings him great joy. You see, it's about joy. It's about the joy of the Lord. And when we're working on things, you know, when we're working, people are like, I'm working on my life right now, okay? I'm working on my life, all right? Um, was that one video we watched? You, you worry about yourself. <laughs> that little girl, you worry about yourself. If you ever see that YouTube, it's a viral video about this little girl. She's trying to buckle her seatbelt, and her dad asks if she wants help, and she looks up at him and says, you worry about yourself. Very cute. And then she said, no, thank you. She did, was a little bit. Now, another, in another place here, um, the wise men saw the star, and they were filled with joy. Okay? In um, Matthew 17, 5, it's the same event. Um, actually, this is, this is the actual, uh, uh, this is what was called the, um, the point in which Jesus was glorified in a glorified body when they were up on the mountain. 
and in verse Matthew 17, 5, it says, Even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. So another reference to joy from the Father. Okay. There was great joy in, at Jesus' birth. We know a few things else about joy. In, um, in Acts 2.28, it says, You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. It's good. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. In Acts 8.8, 8, when evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, in verse 8 it says, So there was great joy in that city. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that when demons are getting cast out and people are getting healed, that there's joy? Well, what's the joy? The joy is the joy of the Lord, the joy of Yahweh. This is his joy he's given us. You know, we can have circumstantial happiness that goes up and down with our, you know, our moods. It's more of a mood temperature gauge. Happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad. We can live in that realm. That's the soul. That one just moves around, you know. It's cloudy out, a little sad. It's bright out, I'm happy. You know, I got a lot of work to do, I'm sad. I don't have any work, I'm on vacation, I'm happy. Happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad. Or just take that whole thing and put it under Christ and live out of the joy of his presence. There was great joy in that city. And then in Acts 8, I'm sorry, in Acts 2, it talks about the joy of his presence. I'm in him and he's in me. I'm not separated from him. I'm with him always. Anytime I need to, to drink in that joy, I remember who I am and I remember him in me. That's as simple as it is. Oh, I'm in him. I'm going to drink the joy, right? Oh, I have a lot of things. My mind is going up. Well, just come on down. Bring it down. Drink in the joy of the Lord. Drink in the joy of Yahweh. Okay, now look at this. Romans 4, 8. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Isn't it nice to know you're complete in him? That your sin is forgiven? Sometimes people are like, no, you got to feel remorse. You got to feel this. You got to. What about you feel the joy of Jesus cleansing you from unrighteousness? That his blood is enough. Okay, now look at this one. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where does the joy come from? The joy comes from the Holy Spirit. The joy doesn't come from you, it comes from him. Be filled with the Spirit and be filled with the joy of the Lord. That's all it is. It's very simple. If I am going to take a drink, I pick up the drink and I drink it. My intention is to drink. Your intention is to drink of the Holy Spirit. So you take the cup and you drink. And you're like, well, I need some more. Well, keep drinking because it's a never-ending supply of joy. All right. Look at this. What other kind of joy do we have? I'm going to keep giving you some more joy. 
But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In Galatians 5.22, love. What's the second one? Joy. Joy is what comes out of us. So the joy. All right, now look what else. In Philippians 2.18, it says this. But I will rejoice, this is the Apostle Paul, and this is towards the end of his life, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. So you remember, remember what the Apostle Paul, he, he kind of was in the same spot as the Apostle John and Jesus. You couldn't kill him. So he said, even if I lose my life in the sense if I give it, I pour it out. He allows it to be taken. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should, and I will share your joy. Okay, so now we have this situation where he's talking about them sharing his joy and he sharing their joy. So when somebody comes to you and says, hey, look what God has done in my life, and you're like, yes, sharing that joy, and the same with you. You know, when people are telling stories about the things God has done, sharing that joy too. Okay, that's a good one. Now let's look at some more. In First Timothy or Second Timothy one four, actually let's read the let's read the Second uh, Timothy one. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. So again, coming together, there's a joy when you're getting to see your friends and getting to see people that you know and people that are connected in your life in a special way. So everyone has that connection. There's people that God has connected you with, and there's a joy, a mutual joy, just being around your friends, being around your family, being around the people that you enjoy. That's a joy. That comes from the Lord. That's from the Lord. That's what I'm saying. That's from the Lord. It's not just a, a regular thing. God gave us that as a really cool, um, as a really cool access point, okay? Now look at this. This one I think is really good. Okay? And I want you to think about this a little bit. Just meditate on this thought. Okay? And this is found in Hebrews chapter 1. And I'm going to say this. Hebrews chapter 1. In verse 6. And when he brought a supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. And we saw that, right? You saw the angels worshiping him in the fields where the priests were watching the sheep, right? Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. And so we know that an angel is a messenger. That word is the messengers. Regarding the messengers, he says, Send, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the sun, but to the sun. So, he's, so here we're seeing the writer of Hebrews, which we believe is Paul, is saying this. First, he's starting with, you know, God's angels, right? Worshiping him. When he brought his supreme son into what? Into incarnation, into this world. He said, let them worship him. And then he says to the angels, he sends them like the winds. You know, are you like a wind? 
Yes, you're a messenger. Winds blow, and then they're gone, and then they blow, and then they're gone. Where'd he go? He's here, he's gone, he's here, he's gone. That's how they work. His servants are like flames of fire. But look what he says this. But then he's talking about Yeshua, the Son, Jesus. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. This is King Jesus. He rules with a scepter of justice. His throne endures forever and ever. There is no end to his government. There is no end to his kingdom. Kingdoms of men will rise and fall, but the kingdom of God will is established forever. And Jesus is the king of glory. He's the one that sits upon the throne, and he is the one that rules with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. This is really big deal. And we see this in the world today, the opposite, where people love evil and hate justice. We see this in our world in America right now. They are bringing people before, in, before judges and courts unjustly. And they're proud of it. And they boast a big boast. That's how you know you got yourself a real winner when they start boasting like that. You know that their fall is going to be... See, that the boasting and the buildup of wickedness just means the fall is a big fall. <laughs> it's, that's all they're doing. They're adding fuel to a fire that will burn. And so the more that they add to it, the worse it will be for them. But the justice will happen. But here's what he said about Jesus, about the Son. You love justice and hate evil. That's a good thing. You should hate evil. Oh, we got to tolerate people. We got to tolerate their work. You don't have to tolerate evil. You should hate it. Anything that's not you, you should hate. If you get dirt on you, do you just love it? No, you wipe it off. You don't want dirt on you. You're not made for dirt, okay? Now listen, what happens? You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, oh God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. That's really good. So what's he talking about here? He's saying that you, Jesus has been anointed with an oil of joy so he's given us joy, and he's anointed. He's poured out. So anointing isn't like you get a little dab and you just do this. You've been anointed. They take the bottle, and they pour it on the top of your head, and it just runs all down you. It's completely anointed. Yeah, it's a little gross, but it's an anointing. So Jesus has that anointing of joy. And when you see Jesus, which everyone will see Jesus if you haven't already, if you have seen him or you will see him, um, he just, um, I don't know what to say, you say vibrates <laughs> at or gives off his power is joy. And unlike any other joy you've ever seen, it's an absolutely overwhelming joy and it comes from Jesus and he loves us so much. So his love and his joy is so intense. So, that's another good one. So Jesus has been anointed with the oil of joy, and it actually says 
more than anyone else. Be like, well, I want to get in on that. Well, hang out with Jesus. It'll just get right on you. Okay. Now look at this one. Hebrews 12, 2. Actually, 12, 1. After we looked at the Hall of Faith, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Again, like it said at the beginning of the book, again, he's been enthroned. But look, the reason he did the whole thing was because of the joy awaiting him. So we see already that the father had joy in the son. The son hadn't done anything yet. It's because of who he is. There's this mutual enjoyment between the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Trinity is joy. The fellowship of the Trinity is joy. You know, you have fellowship with other people. It brings joy. When you see a person, you're like, oh, you know, it brings that joy. There's a fellowship in the spirit with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now look, you have been brought into that place with him, with Christ. You're in him. You're in Christ. And you've been brought into that place of union and unity in the Trinity. So anytime that you just want to remember, recollect the old word, recollect on our oneness with him, on our union with him, and in the joy between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Because you can see this now. I just read the scripture about the Father twice, Matthew and Luke both, and now we see the Son. Why did he endure the cross and disregarding its shame? is because of the joy. Now guess what you find out in other scriptures about what it is he's getting looking forward to? Many sons. Many sons. The fellowship, the sons, the family, the union, the connection that we have with the divine. We have been made righteous. We are holy now and can have, we say, communion, fellowship with, relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that joy that was set before him, you know, when when we were separated in our minds, the Bible says you were never really, it's very clear, you were never really separated from God. You were separated in your minds. You were separated in your works. You separated yourself in your own, in your own mindset that you live. We call this the matrix, the framework you created apart from God. And trust me, religion has these two. These are separation frameworks. They, they keep you in a place where you feel like God's over here and you're over there, where Christ said, you've been brought into me. I brought you in. I snatched you up. I took you into myself. And now I am one with Christ. This has always been the teaching from the very beginning. We haven't been separated. There's not a whole bunch of stuff you've got to do. What would you have to do? And how could you even do it anyway to get close to God? No, he came close to us. We, he, and you know what? We were never separated from him. You know, when the prodigal son came back to the father, he didn't like, his father never disowned him. Never. He never disowned him. The son thought he had. Exactly. That's the mindset. 
And that's what the gospel has come to declare. He never disowned you. He never put you aside. He never disregarded you and said, you're no longer my son. You're no longer in my family. He never said that. It was the son that went and ate with the pigs. That was a, that was a mindset. And what did the fallen mindset produce? Fallen works. A fallen mindset produces fallen works. What you think you are is how you work. That's, how, that's the things that you do. So with this son, he's out there. He's spending all his money. He's, doing, he's using everything up. You know, all the things. Think about it like this. All the things that God gave us in the creation, we took metal, raw material, and we made weapons out of them where we could kill each other with. That would be taking the riches and wasting it. <laughs> That was never what it was meant for, right? Yeah. Now, listen, we have images in the scripture, you know, vision, visionary images and dreams of Jesus with the sword. But what does that sword actually mean? (laughs) We already know that he had a winnowing fork or a pitchfork where he separated. But what does that actually mean? He's using our words and he's using our images of things we created to show us the truth of who he is. He never, he is not here to destroy the earth. anybody who teaches that Jesus is coming back to destroy the earth has never read the Bible. Jesus does not come back to destroy the earth. Jesus is not planning on ever destroying the earth. He made the earth, and the Bible says he loves it. God loves it. It's God's earth. It's his. He, obviously, we caretake it, but he, it's his. And so he will always protect this planet. He will not allow it to be destroyed ever. And anyone who teaches such a thing is very seriously misinformed and has not read their Bible. And if they have read it, they have taken things out of context and out of the proper interpretation of the scripture. But Jesus is, Jesus is returning and we're meeting him. In other words, we're meeting him at the door and we're bringing him in the house. The house is the earth. The door is the sky. That is going to happen. And that's a great thing. But he didn't come to destroy it. And Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the world, but to save it. Save it from what? Not save it from the Father. The Father already loves the world. Save it from a fallen mindset. A mind that did not see itself correctly. A fallen, and this is the result of a sin mentality. So look at this. The joy was awaiting him. So now we have the Father, joy, the Son, joy, the Spirit. And the Spirit anoints us with joy. Ta-da! So now you have pure joy. (laughs) You don't just have the fruit of joy, you have the oil of joy. That's a concentrated, if you've ever done essential oils, you know that the oil is a concentrated version of that product. All right. So we have a lot of joy, okay? We have a lot of things that are good. Now, what about sad? Where's the sad come in? Well, anything that's not God is sad. So just don't get involved in that stuff. Okay, now look at this. This is a great one. This is in Peter now. So we had Paul, we had, we had John the Baptist, we had the Father speaking from the cloud. We had, um, you know, Hebrews where it, sp- where it was spoken of there. We had Acts, or I believe we had... Um, Stephen, and now here we're back at Peter again. 
1 Peter 1.8, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. So what kind of joy is this? It's a glorious joy, an inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Ah, the salvation of your souls. So what does that mean? That means I agree with Jesus. I agree with what Jesus said about me and what Jesus did, and I agree with his joy. Listen, the world is filled with, what's the word? Well, it's full of sin, and sin is not happy. Oh, it might be for a moment, but then here comes the bite, the viper bite. You don't want that. Rest in what God has done. Rest in what Jesus has completed. There's nothing left for you to do but it, but to enjoy the Lord. Enjoy him. Enjoy Jesus. Enjoy what he's done for you. Be thankful for the things. You know what we always say about gratitude? It's one of the biggest, most powerful gates into the realm of the spirit is gratitude. Being thankful for all the things that God has given you. And you say, well, I can't think of anything. Well, you haven't expressed gratitude yet because you have to go into that place of gratitude. Think about all the things he's made. You, you live inside of a miracle. This whole thing is a miracle. I don't believe in miracles. You're living in a miracle. <laughs> How many of these earths have you seen? None. Why is that? Because it's a miracle. You, every day you get up and you live, you're living inside of a miracle that God made specifically for you. He handcrafted this miracle. This is a handcrafted specific miracle just for you. And you live inside of it. Every minute, every second, every nanosecond of your life is built inside of this miracle that God has created for you. He causes your heart to beat. He gives you the breath in your lungs. He is the yud heh He is your breath. He breathed into Adam. He breathed into you. You are a living spirit. On the earth, you live inside of a miracle every day. If you can't find that to be full of joy, you have not seen it yet, but I trust you will because God is revealing this to every single person on the planet. He made it for you and now he's revealing it to you. Be filled with the joy of the Lord. That's what he says to us. Now look, in 1 John 1, 4, listen, this is a big topic. I'm just going to cover a couple more and then I'll close it up. But in 1 John 1, 4, Actually, I'll, 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 actually, I like this whole thing. I like this whole thing. All right, 1 John 1. We proclaim to you, this is 1 John 1, 1. We proclaim to you the one who exists from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. Now, the beginning means the beginning of creation. We know this if you read the Gospel of John. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We, pro we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. Isn't that neat? When you have a shared experience, our experience in Christ. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua. Verse 4. We are writing these things 
so that you may fully share our joy. Isn't that good? This is the message we heard from Yeshua and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Anybody who says, calls the dark things, things of God, it's not. Darkness doesn't mean mystery. We're talking about dark works, things that are wrong. So look at this. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. So there is a interaction, not just with the Father, the joy that comes from the Father. Oh boy. <laughs> the joy that comes from the Son. The oil of joy of the Spirit. And now the apostles. John, being one of the chief apostles, saying this, share in the joy that we've received. We write the scriptures. So these are the scriptures. And there's others, right? There's other scriptures. They're writing these things to you. And it's the message that they're writing. It's what the message says. Which translation? It doesn't matter as long as you've got the message. Well, you know, King James is the right one. Listen, it's the message, guys. It's not, it's not about what translation. I'm reading New Living. But it's the same message in English and in other languages around the world. And what is it saying? That they have seen, they have heard, the fellowship they have is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus. They're actually writing these words by the Spirit. So you have all three. That John is writing this, the Bible says, when, when the men write the message, they write it as the Spirit moves them to write it. So we have the, because the Spirit is the manifestation of God on the earth right now, right? So we have Jesus and the, and the Father are in heaven, right? And we have the, the Holy Spirit on the earth. You can still see the Father and you can still see Jesus in, in heaven because you can see things in the heavens as we've spoken of before. But right here on the earth, we have the Spirit who anoints us. So anointed to write. So we have this fellowship. Now just not only with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but also with the apostles. Oh, that's so great. We can share in their joy. That's why they wrote them. They're sharing. <laughs> Guess one thing that you do when you have gratitude? You share because you're thankful. In other words, I'm so thankful and I have so much joy for the things that you've given me and the things that I have in this earth and the things that you've given me in the future and in the past that I'm going to share them. Why is that? Well, because I can. Because I know where that came from. There's more where it comes from and I want you to also share in that joy. So these are the kind of things that joy... Now, joy is a spiritual force. It's not just happiness, it's joy. It's an oil. So be filled with the joy of the Lord. Be filled with the joy of Yahweh. That's what it says, okay? Last verse, Jude 1, 24. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence, without a single fault. So it's like it started in joy, it was carried out by joy, and it ends in joy. It's joy, joy, and joy every time. It's established in joy. It's a kingdom of joy. There is so much joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you're looking for God in a thing, look for the joy of the Lord. 
the joy of the Lord, and we know the other scripture. What about the joy of the Lord? It's our strength. There's, there's, we're not, now are there things that are, um, I don't know, things in the world that you're listening to, watching, reading? Don't let things that aren't bringing you the joy of the Lord into your life. Just cut them off. Because you can know that didn't come from the Lord. It's not bringing me the joy of the Lord. Oh, what this thought is important. Is the thought centered in the joy of the Lord? No. Well, then don't entertain that one anymore. That obviously was not one that you needed to think about. Okay. See how that works? So we bring ourselves into the joy by putting our thoughts on Yeshua, by putting our thoughts on what God has done in our lives. Being grateful, gratitude, sharing in the joy. If you have joy, share it. Share some joy. There's plenty of joy. Jesus is anointed with joy. Look at Jesus' face. It's full of joy. Not the, <laughs> not the kind of joy. Listen, this is, not the, this is not the kind of joy that the earth brings you. The earth doesn't have this joy. The lower realm. I'll put it like this. The lower realm. The lower realm, in a way, is saying, I make joy by stuff I do. That's not how it works. <laughs> you, you receive the joy of the Lord. That's the higher realm of joy. <clears throat> the lower realm of joy is, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm sad. Right? The joy that God brings is inexpressible. We read that earlier, you know, and I have all these scriptures if you want to listen to them again and just kind of write them out. But these are good mess these are good scriptures to meditate on, to think on, you know. Allow gratitude and joy and thankfulness overflow within you. Overflow within you until it comes out to everybody around you. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the joy that you have in Yeshua, the Son, and how he has in you and the joy that was set before him that he has in us and the oil of joy that you have anointed us with. You have poured it out on us. We just engage in that joy right now. Thank you, Lord. If you want to laugh, just laugh. Just laugh in the spirit. What am I laughing about? You're laughing because you're full of joy. <laughs> Let the joy of the Lord overwhelm you, overcome you. Be overcome by joy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>